So I'm going to talk to you about restoration. And I, I love the idea that God is good and inclined at fixing messes. God so loved the messed up fallen world, for example, that he sent his only begotten son on a rescue mission that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. It's like he, he was sent not to bring further condemnation. And in fact, verse 17 says, he did not come uh, to condemn the world, but that the world might, or to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I mean, you guys, you're dismissed. God bless you. I just shared the gospel with you. That's good news. And um, my Redeemer lives, and he's got a knack for uh, restoring things. I, I want to go to Joel chapter 2 because this is our text. The theme is restoration. If you're here today and you've, you've been in a great place and maybe it's slipped a little bit, maybe, you know, you've got your, you've, have you ever had a brand new car and you parked it in a tight spot and somebody door dinged it, you know? The other day there was a video, it's funny, this technology, somebody had a, I guess a Tesla or something and it had so many cameras on it and they were at the uh, amphitheater, the Hollywood uh, amphitheater, and it showed a lady walking along intentionally keying all the cars. And I just happened to catch her on the camera, and I made it on the 6 o'clock news. Naughty. Uh, and, and, but yet, you know, um, I, there was a story from the last service. Um, a woman got sideswiped by a tractor-trailer, 18-wheeler, in her 1971 Cutlass, which is kind of a cool premier vintage car. And her husband came to the accident scene when, she, when he found she was okay. Uh, and while the police were making the report and the trucker was owning up to what he had done, um, the, she looked and saw her husband through a peripheral vision and he was out there picking up pieces uh, of the car. She said, what are you doing? He said, I, I, I'm going to restore this car, and you can't, these, place, these pieces, I'm going to fix this car, because he's gifted. His name's Billy, and he has actually, that's his skill. He, he, he has a skill at taking something that's been damaged and, and, and chipped out and messed up and, and fixing it. And I, I love this. In 1890, and I'm sorry, 1498, uh, a, a, an Italian guy from Florence named Leonard, actually Leonardo da Vinci, got commissioned at the Santa Maria uh, convent. Santa Maria, uh, let's see, Santa Maria, i got to get this right, Della Grazie. Easy for me to say. Uh, and uh, it, he, he was, he was uh, going to paint the uh, famous scripture, The Last Supper, the famous, the famous, out of the pages of the Bible, he was, gonna, he was asked to make a fresco on the walls of this convent. Um, but due to poor choices with materials, paint already began to flake off even during the artist's lifetime. I want to say, God doesn't pick inferior materials. He, may, he doesn't make junk. He's, our, he's, he's a creator, and he's the, he's the restorer. And um, in this case, uh, I, and I studied this because I studied uh, art history and so forth. Um, they hired a person uh, that was uh, a famous, renowned restorer, Panin Brambia. Panin Brambia. Rolls off the tongue. 
and uh, worked for half of their lifetime of their career, over 20 years, and led a small but expert team of, of restorers, and they worked meticulously on the scene of this beautiful painting where Jesus was at the table with his disciples, with the cup and the bread. Anybody ever heard of the Last Supper? And uh, let me show you that they had to peel back five layers of botched inferior uh, uh, restoration, quote unquote, through the ages. You know, look, Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio got Got, ca- got cast as Leonardo da Vinci to fix this. And it was only six years after Columbus came to America. So this was a, this was a long time ago. And, um, but so over the ages, they've just slapped paint on it and people even changed facial expressions and positions of hands and things. And as, as they delved into, and I watched a documentary on this where they took solvents and you know, state-of-the-art technology and that was continually developing, and they would take like Q-tips and just little precise little moves. They would just work on, a, on just a little section of someone's face for days to take away, gently take away, um, even like paint that was really vibrant well, it wasn't vibrant from the artist's original hand, so they, they restored it, and they had to deal with misinterpretations of what other restorers thought they should slap on this thing. And, um, and actually, even before this, uh, during World War II, uh, that convent was bombed, and I want to show you what they were dealing with there. So uh, that just brings perspective. I don't know what you're going through in your life, but... It could have been worse, right? And uh, so I I want to explain something to you. Like the guy out in the street picking up the pieces of the 1971 Cutlass with the eye to, let's fix this. Let's get this back on track. The, The team of artists who gave two decades of their lives to go into this place in northern Italy in Milan and work for days and weeks and months and years to restore what is known as a certifiable masterpiece of Western culture. More importantly for us, this this is a little more spiritual than a 71 Cutlass, although that's a pretty cool car. But this ties in with what it says in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, where the prophecy is being stated about what Jesus is going to do in the earth. He says, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Have you guys ever looked at uh, what happens, the decimation of a crop when locusts uh, descend upon it? The, the, the locust is like a, a wicked grasshopper. And when they come in in a team, it's just all about, they're almost like apex predators. They're, they're just little insects, but together they can not only ruin a crop, and take away the food supply of a whole population. They could take away and denude all the trees and every bit of foliage. And I, I even heard in the 1800s in America, the year of the locust, they would eat the shirts off the backs of the farmers. And it ran people, it ran pioneers away from their, their call 
And, uh, but there were some that just couldn't go anywhere else, and they stayed. People that had homesteaded and started to develop land, and they worked hard to till hard soil and fertilize it and get it ready, and then all the crops were destroyed. And uh, some people stayed behind, and everybody else left, got discouraged, and retreated. But a couple of things happened in that year of the locust. The, uh, the, the people back east heard about it. it. It got reported in the newspapers. And they began to read about it, and they got burdened for their, their, their people that were on the, the frontier on the other side of the Mississippi. And uh, so they sent in uh, their, their tractors, I mean their, their, their trains, and in their uh, covered wagons, seed and, and provision, and they sent it to these guys. And so then, lo and behold, here's a, a homesteader with a few acres, and then all his neighbors all left, and all of a sudden they have seed. So they looked out, and they, they went out, and they tilled not only the land they had, but even the adjoining property, and they, they sowed the seed. But the problem was the locust would have planted, uh, would, have, would have laid eggs, and then in the spring there would have been a hatching, and then it would have started even, and been perhaps even worse. But miracle of miracles, there was a hard frost that hit right before this and killed all those demonic, demon-possessed locusts with human heads that are demonic, going that look like that, 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 look, that, that look like Jack Nicholson character, you know, like, wait, you know, wait till they get a load of me, you know, kind of a thing. Imagine that. You ever have your life where you feel like you've had the swarming locust, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust? I have. We all have. Life is challenging. And um, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the devil, the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Satan comes. He's a diminishing, canceling, take away, depriving, erasing, mean-spirited, evil, hostile against humanity, hater of God, hater of people that follow God. And he wants nothing more than to just swarm and gnaw and strip and creep on your view, your vision, your, your calling, your, your gifting, your destiny. Just like that car that sideswiped the cutlass, you know, it's just all smashed up. But here's somebody that has an understanding about restoration, and he's picking up the pieces. Here's a, here's a painting that it was painted in, in 1498 by the beautiful Leonardo da Vinci, the great depiction of what we have come as a, as a people to understand the Lord's table that he prepares for us in the presence of his enemies, and how good and present the Lord is, how he came to seek and save that which is lost. It's a painting worth saving. That car was a car worth saving. The, the farmlands, were, 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 they needed to be tilled. They needed to have seeds sown. And so they ended up with one of the best crops in the year after the year of the locust. And this verse tells us what I want to tell you today. He said, and I will restore to you. I will make up to you for the years the locust has eaten. I think about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Let's look at it in the New, um, International, or New American Standard. Ephesians 5, 16 is just such an interesting thing. It says, make the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, let's look at the preceding verse. 
it, it says, let's, let's look at verse 14. Oh, we'll read 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk. The King James says it this way. Walk circumspectly. Heads up, eyes open. We know not to drive uh, distracted, but we've got phones. And every time I come up to an intersection, I know somebody's on their phone. So I just sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait, and then they kind of, they pull, and then they pull out, and then the light turns yellow, and we just kind of, and we watch them drive off. And it's like, then it's like, love is patient, love is kind, love, right? And uh, until I did this the other day with my neighbor, and uh, yeah, I had to get out of the car and apologize to her. She was fun. She was not letting me off the hook. She still hasn't let me off the hook, but I think she's just ornery. I think she does really love me, and because uh, what's not to love? But anyway, uh, you know, it says in Romans 2, what you judge, you're guilty of. So, you know, one of these people stopped in the intersection. Oh, it was me, right? Let's get off of this. I'm, now I'm repenting and apologizing. Do I really mean it? I think I do. But anyway, anyway, make, walk circumspectly. Have your head up. Pay attention. Everybody say pay attention. I mean, this will curb incidents of crime to your own person. Uh, police have told me the best deterrent is attentiveness. Uh, you watch when people know that you see where they're coming from. I had this situation uh, a while back, two times in one day, and I was being uh, uh, sized up. I was being, I was being watched. And, uh, and I saw it, and, I, and just the other day out in the parking lot, I saw somebody that shouldn't have been there going toward the playground, and I walked out there, and I, what I did is I stared through the guy's skull with my eyes. Then he saw me watching him, and I stood there, and I watched him, and I watched him walk back, and he stared me in the eyes. It was like two apex predators. I mean, it was like a, like a, uh, like a lion and another lion, and I was out lioning him. And he walked away across the field. It's like, and I burned holes in the back of his head. Don't ever come back again. And I told my staff, keep your eye on him and call the police next time he's here because he's not supposed to be here. Mothers and children were out having a picnic at the playground and Pastor Jeff bowed up. Why did Pastor Jeff bow up? I'm a shepherd. I'm a dad and a grandpa. I see things. I know things. And the world's nuts. But we don't have to be heavy-handed, we don't have to be gruff, we don't have to be harsh, we just need to walk circumspectly. Pay attention. And even in your own life, I'm telling you, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, so resist him, firm in your faith. Learn, and this is an assert, this is an alert, kind of assertive kind of message to help you to know God is reviving me, God is picking up the pieces, God's meticulously peeling the layers of, of botched past restorations off of my life. You know, uh, our, our life problems, you just don't slap lipstick on it and it's going to go away. We, or a Band-Aid. We, we need a touch from the, the originator. We need God. And he said, I will restore to you for the years the locust has eaten. And it says here in Ephesians 5, 16, he says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. You know, the proverb says wisdom is the principal thing. I'm teaching on love on Friday nights, and love is the, the greatest is love. So is there a conflict there? Well, 
we have to have wisdom about the love walk. We have to have wisdom and understanding and knowledge that God is inclined in restoring. Do you believe it? I do. I have had five Jeep Grand Cherokees and I enjoy them. They're made in the US, I like them, I think they still are. And I would take to get serviced during under a warranty and I would make sure that uh, every, the fluids were right and the, 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 the brakes were good and all that stuff. So um, I went to this one particular dealer. They had a beautiful facility on a corner and they had really nice um, landscaping and the fleet of cars looked beautiful. Everything was spotless and clean. The showroom was amazing, a real high ceiling. The windows were huge, but they were all just cleaned up, the doors uh, opened uh, automatically, and there, you were greeted by friendly uh, uh, salespeople, and, and you, you, know, you saw that, and you smelled the new car smell in there, and it was just all so nice. And there was efficiency, and there's how many I help you, and there was courtesy, and, and well, the, the, the mechanic area is in the back. So I got my car, and I pulled back around, and just like all the front, it wasn't just a facade, the whole core of the whole thing was excellent. And I saw the, um, to my kind of uh, amazement, that the, the mechanic area was spotless. The floor looked like the concrete had been polished and painted. There was not a spot of oil on it. All the, the hydraulic equipment looked beautiful and serviced. The workers were uh, in uniform and had name badges and you know there is a receptionist over here with a reception area with a with with a computer and they're uh, standing up how can I help you and, and then and so you know I got in my appointment and I had my time frame and I pulled the car in and they got the keys and I, I looked up and on the wall and I've shared this with you but it's it bears repetition they had a sign underneath the Jeep logo that really struck me, and it reminded me of what I'm preaching about God. The maker is the repairer. The maker is the repairer. Jesus is the redeemer. I will make up to you for the years the locust has eaten. I have come to save that which is lost. I am the Lord that heals you, right? So here's a 91-year-old lady that just came through COVID. Statistically, she really wasn't supposed to make it. But she went beyond statistics and realized, hey, the maker is my repairer. And she fought the fight of faith. There's another gentleman here who just had almost passed out in Austin, Texas on a business meeting with his family. Um, they said, you've got a situation with your aortic valve. It's very serious. And you can't fly home because of the cabin pressure in the plane. And uh, you got to keep your rental car and you got to drive home. And it's like, we, we think you should, you're safe enough to do it in your own hometown, uh, but it's a serious thing. As soon as you get in town, check into the ER and call us and tell us you went into the ER. And uh, I love it when doctors are watching out the, 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 to, to fix and help and make sure. I mean, when my wife had her appendix burst, Dr. Wiedner's in here today, and he, uh, he saved my wife's life. He said, you've got to go to the hospital now, and if you don't go, I'm going to come and get you. So Nancy got her and took her, right, because the threat of, of the doctor coming to the house, it's like, okay, well, I'll get Nancy. And, so she came, and I was having a church with Dick Mills here, 
And I was sitting right on the end there, and she was lapsing into a coma and, and inevitably renal failure. The doctor, Dr. Wiener, said she wouldn't have made it through the morning. And so thank God. Thank God for doctors. Thank God. But thank God. I mean, don't you love the husband who's picking up pieces of the 1971 Cutlass so he could fix his wife's car? That's cute. Um, don't you think it's kind of interesting and amazing that people would work for two, 20 years to fix the fresco in the, in the convent of the Last Supper? I think it's amazing. But all that pales in comparison to your value. You are loved with an everlasting love and God has his hand on your life. There's a woman here who's recently been widowed, and I knew her husband well, and he was a beautiful man, and they had a great thing going. They had a sweetness about him. Walking with God, Jesus was the center of their relationship. She's right here on the front row, pressing in through her tears, hands up, praising God, refusing to let the devil get on her. She's grieving and mourning like you would, but not like the world does. She's not in denial about the loss, She's just denying Satan the right to gnaw on her, strip her, and burden her, and wear her down, and steal her joy, right? Whatever you're facing right now, let's get in prayer about it. Whatever you're dealing with right now, the maker is the repairer. When I, I felt confident leaving my car there because I knew I would not get off-market parts or parts from a junkyard, although that has its place when you're out of warranty. But let me tell you something. Jesus keeps us all in warranty all the rest of our, the age, all the way to the end. You talk about extended warranty. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. You're not out of warranty. Now, there's a four-year-old that just had a birthday, but there's a 91-year-old who just had his He's having his birthday tomorrow. She has her birthday today. And David said, I was young, and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed beg for bread. And let me tell you, the, the, the Last Supper has been glossed over by a lot of gilding and religiosity and all kinds of churchianity and stuff like that. But God is restoring the church. He said that in the last days, the hearts of the children were restored to the parents and the hearts of the parents to the children. In the last days, there, there will be a preparation of the way of the Lord, and there will be a great harvest amongst the lost and a revival in the church. And I believe what happened in Santa Maria della Grazia was really significant, and you should Google it and see the, the beauty of, and maybe even the documentary. And as you watch it, say, God, I need you to do some restoration in my situation where the locust has come in to try to, devour me. You might be one of those kinds of people. A lot of farmers retreated, but you're still there. And you pull out, you push your hands in your pockets and you don't have any seed. And all of a sudden, people from Boston and Delaware and Philadelphia put their seed in, in trains and pulled up. And it's like, come to the rail yard. Come, why? The back east, they've heard about what's happening. They sent seed. Listen, whatever's going on in your life, up in heaven, he's heard. And he, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all of his troubles. I have watched the Lord be faithful in every situation. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is with you always. You may be new in this. You may have come through religion or maybe apathy or secularism or whatever background you have. Let me tell you, our Redeemer lives. And making Jesus central in your life 
is the big, big start because you're, get, you're getting in the presence of the, the Redeemer. You're coming into his presence. God, can you, can you do something with this? The answer is yes. I remember seeing a documentary. I love documentaries, and I saw one uh, of a watchmaker, and somebody brought in a bag of parts and brought it and plopped it on the desk, this high desk, with the, with the light, the intense light and, the, and the, the, all the, you know, the equipment. And the guy took the bag and shook it and said, yeah, I could do something with this. And just after a while, turned back a, a beautiful working uh, uh, pocket watch. Uh, he took all the parts. The, the maker is the repairer. Humpty Dumpty, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. But guess what? Jesus is the amazing, skilled, and present one who said, I will come and I will restore you. I will come, and this is what was prophesied. He said that he will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. I heard a lady say, the days are long, but the years go by fast. And it's like, we just had an anniversary. It's like, how did that happen? I remember the head of our Bible school. I went and visited him at a meeting, and he had just had his 85th birthday. I said, man, 85, what's that like? He said, I used to think it was old. <laughs> right? And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, wherever your situation is right now, whatever your age, whatever your experience, whatever the season of your life is, I feel like this is a prophetic word that I'm teaching you that God is the restorer. And I'm running out of time, but I want to go to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31, and then I want to lay out six things you can do to keep uh, your edge and keep in the position where you're getting the pieces back and getting on track. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read something from Revelation 2, and then we're going to pray. It says this, yet when he is found out, they're talking about a thief, he must restore sevenfold. When the thief is found out, he must restore sevenfold. What has, what has come into your life, the creeping, the gnawing, the, the, the locust to come and steal in your life? Just in the last couple of months, the Bowers' young son, Davey, had a terrible bout with uh, infection in his lung. It hit him really hard. He's very athletic. He, he runs. He's one of the, pound for pound, the strongest of his family, as even his brothers admit that. He's, he's just a really strapping young guy. And it just about knocked him completely out. His heart went so bad that when they took pictures of it and the family came with the doctor meeting, it didn't even look like a recognizable heart. His lungs were trashed. His kidneys were having a problem. And, you know, they just got in this place where the maker is the repairer. We're going to trust God. They didn't go into hysterics, and they didn't block off and just kind of just quit. They just, God, we, where else could we go? You're our help. You know, the doctors came in with their, their, their very adamant, uh, you know, they, of necessity. They needed to be very clear about how ser the severity of the case to the point where it almost sounded fatalistic. But yet they were fighting hard for this young man's life. I would visit and I'd see nine people carrying him from a test. And I just looked at him. I got tears in my eyes seeing the passion and the commitment they have working these 12-hour shifts trying to keep this young man alive. And he got denied at uh, Barnes because he had such bad infection in his chest cavity. 
But they found somebody from a friend of a friend with favor through the answer of prayer that there's a doctor that trained at Barnes but is now in Chicago that through COVID has taken less than ideal cases and tried to help them anyway. Before there was such a rigid specific, you had to have a certain level of health, no infection, all these variables, and, and age and all these criteria. And Davey didn't fit that criteria, but he fit God's heavenly criteria. That this, this guy was out and there was no hope, but yet uh, God opened the door and created a situation, didn't he? Here they are right on the front row. And Davey is coming through. It's been now almost four months, right? Three and a half, four months. And um, God's restoring to him. The years the locust is eaten. You know, look, you hear me say this. It was 30 years ago this month that this church had so much water in it that I couldn't touch it from here. And my wife and, and Dr. Ortnow came in his bass boat in the building and rode around over your head, right where you are. My wife was so bold, I was so depressed I didn't want to come in the building, and I missed out on being able to tell everybody that I rode around in a boat in the church. <laughs> and she was, because she was so, you know, such a fighter, she's, well, I want to go in and see this, you know? It's kind of like Edison when his, all of his, his amazing, uh, 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 the, the, his laboratory burned down in Florida, and he, he was standing there on the grass, and somebody came up to him to comfort him, and he said, go get, and he named his son, go get him. It's unlikely he'll ever see a fire this spectacular in his entire lifetime. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's a guy that had indefatigable kind of moving forward. Um, listen, this word that I'm preaching is for today. It's for you. I don't know what your situation is, but God is in the business of Restoring, healing, reviving, and saving. If you're not born again and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, today's the day of salvation. If you've fallen away from the Lord and you've gone callous, God can restore you and pick up the pieces of your 1971 cutlass and make you brand new. If you feel like you've been gunked over with all kinds of self-help and all kinds of tried this or tried that, and you've got five layers of botched uh, stuff, the expert, our Heavenly Father, can come in and get you back to your original purpose, your original pattern, the original patina. How many of you have patina on your life at this point? I do. I'm proud of it. Don't try to wipe it off. I earned it. But I want to tell you, when the thief is found out, write down. We, my wife and I prayed here till through the day. And uh, we, we write down things that we, this is what we feel we need to take back. I, you know, I don't have time to read this, but in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and the people of Israel had a terrible kidnapping, arson, theft, burglary, terrible national state of depression. And he, but yet David strengthened himself in the Lord his God in verse 6. And then he got strategy. God began to give him. And it was to, he went, and there's famously, he went to the enemy's camp and he took back all that he stole from him. You can't have my kids, Satan. Great are the peace of my children for they're taught of the Lord. And the welfare of our sons will be great. 
You can't have my spiritual life because Jesus is my redeemer and I'm walking strong with him. He's faithful to me even if I'm faithless. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's glued to me and he's faithful toward me and the maker is the repairer. Who in here has been through some stuff and you can attest, my God is good in this area. We're in a church that got baptized in Missouri River mud and we came through the other side. And you may be younger than 30 and that may not mean much to you, but this local church went through a crisis. At that time, one of the most significant national disasters in US history, the worst flood in the Midwest ever. And God brought us through. We are every day on this side of it uh, uh, attesting to how when the thief is found out, he's got to pay back sevenfold. So we got back on our feet, but then we got skills on how to get other people back on their feet. 200 businesses and homes. Not only that, then we went to Katrina for years. Then God supplied and we built back houses back in Katrina. We went to the tsunami in, in, Sri, in, in Sri Lanka and we built houses up on the bluffs that are higher than the worst possible tsunami going forward so that they're secure. We, we're, what, we've seen Jesus turn situations around in this church over and over and over again. And whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, I'm telling you, my God will see you through and he will deliver you. Last scripture. Revelation chapter 2, it says about the church at Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds and, and, and your, your labor and your patience. And I, I see you don't put up with evil and you don't put up with imposters and cultic stuff and false prophets and apostles and teachers. And you're doing good with all that. He said, but this one thing I have against you. He said, you drifted from your first love. He said in, in Revelation chapter 2, uh, it says, but I have this against you, that you have left your first love. This is what I believe the Lord is wanting to restore primarily in all of our lives. And he said this, and he gave a key, a practical step, staging. He said, therefore, remember from where you've fallen, repent and do the deeds you did at first. Now stop, listen to this. We've been married now for a while. And we got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout. I was attracted to this girl. I wanted her. She had a boyfriend before. I had a girlfriend before. But man, push them all aside. This is it for us. All in. Everybody say all in. Well, then you start cranking out babies, take on a zillion responsibilities, start a church. And when we started this church 30 years ago, we had just had a baby at the same time. When we got involved with the flood of 93, uh, the, the, the keyboard guy was only less than a year old. And, and so we, it seemed like these things, big stages of responsibility coincided with the births of these kids. And uh, with our marriage, we would just be like minivan drivers and uh, Grubhub and uh, DoorDash and, and uh, ATMs, you know, and referees and, you know, with our kids. And then, and then we just, we, we, we wouldn't even have any time for each other. Same thing happened in our relationship with God. So we had to do something. We had to remember. We, we used to date. So we would date. Let's make a date night. And we'd take the kids over to her mom. 
And uh, we would go out on a date. We didn't have a whole lot of money, so we would, we would just kind of do an inexpensive date, but we would sew toward each other. But every time we did, we'd strike up conversations. We'd become friends with the waiters. We'd start witnessing to everybody. So then it was like, okay, all right, we're having soul winning all the time, but we're not sewing toward each other. So we had to have, we had a spiritual date. We called those spiritual dates because this just happened because we're just made that way. And then she would do it as much as me. So don't, she can't, but, and then, uh, so then we had date date where we would just, just look at each other. Let's not win anybody to the Lord right now. Let's not encourage anybody. Let's not be nice. Right? I come to church with the hope that it's going to light my fire. I go to the gas station because I know I'm going to get fuel for my tank. I go to a restaurant because I need nutrition and I need to get food in my system so I don't glaze over, right? So the maker is the repairer. The author and the perfecter of your faith sees everything going on in your life. Close your eyes with me. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, do it now. Today's the day of salvation. Today you say, man, I I do want Jesus to go from theory to a personal relationship. I, I I do recognize he died for my sins and I want him to forgive me. I need help. I can't do it on my own power. None of my right actions will ever earn salvation. It's a gift, but I have to receive that gift. The Bible says in John 1, 12, if anyone receives him to those, those people, he gives the right and the power to become his children. See how great a love the Father's bestowed upon us that we would be called the children of God. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You say, Pastor Jeff, just in the privacy of this moment, I want to raise my hand and say, yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you, raise your hand right where you're sitting. Just say, pray for me. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? There are a number of you that just today is your day of salvation. In case you're not positive and confident about where you go when you die, just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. As I raise my hand, I'm acknowledging Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, I'm going to add this, and you can come up in this. Say, Pastor Jeff, my 1971 Cutlass got sideswiped on the highway of life. You think Jesus would pick up my pieces and put me back together? The answer is yes. If that's you in any area of your life, raise your hand. Say, pray for me. You know what I'm saying. Pray for me all over the building. Father, I pray for that restoration to come, that new beginning salvation for the persons that need to be saved. Say this with me. Lord Jesus. I believe, I receive your unfailing love, your unchanging ways into my life to restore the years the locust has eaten, to revive me, heal me, strengthen me, and deliver me. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen.